Okay, so today we're looking at World's Finest Comics, number six, the summer issue, published in 1942. The cover is colored American flag colors, with the blue on the top and the red and white stripes on the bottom. Standing in the red and white stripes, we have Superman, Batman, and Robin, meeting what are probably two of the guys from the red, white, and blue group. One of them looks like a sailor, and the other looks like maybe an army or Air Force guy. I'm not really sure. Robin's shaking hands with the Air Force or soldier guy, and Superman has his arm around the Navy guy. On the inside cover, we have a magazine, but we can only see the front cover. It's called View, and it has an exclusive. A white banner across the middle of the magazine says, In this issue, the Batman exposed. And behind that, there's a big image of Batman with his arms crossed. He's painted all gray-purple, except for his head, which is white with a giant question mark in the middle, as if to ask, who is Batman? And at the bottom of the magazine, there's a little green stripe that says, May 1942, and America's number one crime buster. And we're told that this comic is called The Secret of Bruce Wayne. Oh no. So the comic starts out with Batman chasing some thugs. One of them, who's farther away, yells, Scram, Rocky, the Batman! But Rocky can't scram. Batman's already grabbed his arm. And Batman's all, You're staying, chum. You forgot that the safe had a time lock on it. It looks like Rocky's about to get beat up. But then we pull back a little, and we see that this isn't actually Batman. This is an actor. And Rocky's an actor, too. They're being filmed in a TV studio. Rocky the actor is like, And I thought I had the perfect crime figured out. And then Batman the actor says, Too bad, Rocky. But by now you should have learned there's no such animal as a perfect crime. And that mistake will send you to jail. Then we switch from looking at the actors to looking at the announcer. He's all... And once again, our TV show, Racket Smashers, has dramatized a true tale of an almost perfect crime. And here in our studio, we have a special guest, the Racket Smasher, who broke this case. Batman, in person! Even though we're watching it on TV, we can tell that everyone in the studio is so happy to see Batman. First, he talks to the Batman actor. He's like, nice job! Fella, I thought for a minute you were actually me. And the Batman actor is like, Batman, I only did this incident. You lived it. The only reason I was able to be so good is because you're my inspiration. Then they have Batman sit down and say a few words. But first we get some words from everyone else who's met Batman. We have the Joker, who's like, You've won so far, Batman, but one day I'll win. And then... Ha ha! And the penguin, who's all, Egad, I'm one bird, you're not gonna cage. Catwoman, who's like, Aw, oh, Batman's so cool. Sometimes I want to kiss him, and sometimes I want to scratch his eyes out. Finally, there's Mr. and Mrs. America, who are redheads. 
after all, it's a comfort to us to know that Batman is watching over us. And of course, every American boy who's all. I wish Batman had a radio program so I could listen every day. Because back in the 40s, hardly anyone had TV. Batman, make yourself more accessible. Get on the radio. Unfortunately, because of all these opinions, we only just get the very end of Batman's speech, where he says, Robin and I shall wage unceasing war against all crime. This TV show is so popular and has such a good exclusive interview that everyone's watching, including a publisher of a paper called View. He's in a room right now with one of his reporters, and he's like, Hey, reporter scoop. You know, now that I'm watching Batman on TV, I realize that no one knows anything about Batman. I mean, what's he like under his costume? The producer keeps hypothesizing. He's like, we know he's human because we've seen him shot. But what's he do? Is he a teacher, a lawyer, a reporter? We just have no idea. And Scoop, who really doesn't care, is messing with a set of conjoined rings in the background. And is all, sure is a puzzle. And then messes with his rings more. Maybe he's talking about the rings. But the producer's stuck on this. He's like, Scoop, you've wanted a raise for a long time so you can get married. And I'll give it to you. If, and Scoop is all, what do you mean, if? And the producer's all, if you complete this new assignment I'm giving you, go unmask the Batman. And Scoop is so surprised he spits out his cigarette. He's like, huh? And the producer's all, look, we're not a popular newspaper, but if we unmask the Batman, we'll be super popular. Now go do it. Here's my plan. And then he goes, buzz, buzz, buzz. Like he's saying a plan we can't hear. Scoop does hear the plan, though, and he's not too impressed. He's all, you think Batman will really fall for it? But the producer's all, yeah, he'll fall for it just like a ton of bricks. Now go over to that TV program and unmask Batman. Over at the TV studio, the program has ended, but Batman and Robin have stuck around to sign autographs. Children all around them wave books and cry for autographs. Batman signs so many autographs, he's all, if I sign another, I won't be able to use my hands for a week. And then all the children are kicked out by the program director. The whole crowd reluctantly leaves, except for one guy. A man named Loring, who's not here to talk to Batman, actually. He needs to talk to the program director, Mr. Rand. He's all, hey, have you found a spot on TV for me yet? And Mr. Rand is like, oh, you again. Nope. Sorry. Every spot on TV is filled. Maybe another time. Loring gets all sad and walks away. Batman sees and comes over. He's like, that's Mark Loring. I saw him on stage once when I was a kid. He's the greatest actor ever. See, everyone's a fan of something, even Batman. Mr. Rand's not such a big fan, though. He's all, yeah, he's trying to get his career back on track after he slipped, and he thinks the way to do it is television. But I won't let him on because of his reputation of being a drunk. After Loring leaves... Scoop the reporter is let in. He tells Batman that he's working for The View magazine, and his publisher wants to run a series of articles all about Batman. Robin's all, you want to come with us and photograph us in action? And Scoop is all, exactly. Once everybody sees how cool you are and how good at stopping crime you are, they'll think twice before they do any crime. Batman's all, hmm, I do like stopping crime before it starts. Okay, Mr. Scoop, you're on. The next night, Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson are preparing to go out as Batman and Robin. Batman lays out their queer garb. 
And for a minute, I thought this meant Batman and Robin were going to wear some extra weird clothing. But no, it's just the Batman and Robin costume again. They get all dressed up, and then they run through the tunnel to the abandoned barn where the Batplane is. They get into it, and they fly off to pick Scoop up at the waterfront. Meanwhile, he's standing against a post going, Batman and Robin sure agreed to do this easily. But I guess they really liked the story I told them about preventing crime. They pick Scoop up in the bat plane and he immediately starts taking pictures of everything. Scoop says the pictures will make the reader's eyes pop out and I don't doubt it. They fly around for a while and then they get a police alarm. It's calling all the police cars to be on the lookout for a getaway car that's just robbed the National Bank on Mort Street. Batman pulls a map out of nowhere and starts hypothesizing which streets they could have gone to. Batman, you're flying a plane! Keep your eyes on the sky. After a bit of puzzling, he and Robin decide that the car is going to be on State Avenue. And when they go there, they see a car racing down the road. Someone from inside the Batplane says, No man drives that fast unless he wants to lose the police. So Batman and Robin shoot out the car's tire, and it crashes right into a lamppost with a crash. Then they stabilize the plane and climb down to beat everyone up. Batman even punches two at once, though his arms look weirdly short and off-angle in this panel. Robin hoists himself up over a fire hydrant and kicks a guy in the face with both feet, while Scoop dangles from the Batplane ladder and takes lots of pictures, going click-click. The fight all seems to be going well until Batman tackles Robin to the ground. Another car comes racing around the corner, a car with a machine gun in it. All the thugs that Batman and Robin just beat up get up and get into the car and they all leave. Batman and Robin are fine though. They didn't get a hit and they pick themselves up. Robin is all, we're not going to catch that car anymore. It's gone into heavy traffic. We'll never spot it again. And Scoop is all, that was pretty smart of them though. To use a second car to get away. Guess it all went according to their plan. And Batman's like, plan? Hmm. We better go back to the bank and see what we can find out. They go back to the bank where they talk to the security guard, and he's all, They cut the wires on the time lock. I only spotted them by accident as they were leaving. And Batman's like, So it would have been the perfect crime if only you hadn't seen them. And later that day, he talks about the crime with Robin. Robin's like, So you really think that crime was a copy of the dramatization on the Racket Busters radio program? I don't know why he says radio program. It's definitely a TV show. I know there's supposed to be a Batman radio program in-universe, but it was only mentioned once, so it might have been retconned out of existence. Batman's all, yeah, they exactly copied the Rocket Busters TV show. Except for, they didn't put the flaw in the perfect crime, so it could actually be a perfect crime. But then he goes, well, I guess it could be a coincidence, though. Later that week, The View magazine puts out its article about Batman and Robin. It has plenty of cool pictures of them fighting people, and it says that this is the first in a series of articles all about the reporter working with Batman and Robin. Ooh, look, on the side you can see little extra ads. One says, buy defense bonds, and another says, buy defense stain, and we'll lick them over there. Over in the office of The View, the publisher is happy about this paper, until he's accosted by a shadowy man in his office. He's all, a burglar. I'll give you my money. Don't shoot. But the shadowy man holding the gun is like, I don't want your money. I just want a conversation. 
the next day, Scoop comes in to talk about all his Batman stuff. He's like, Chief, I don't know if it's right to unmask Batman. He's out there fighting crime so well, and if he's unmasked, he won't be able to fight crime anymore. But the publisher's like, hmm, yeah, I, uh, I thought of that, but I'm, I'm determined to see the truth through. I'll, I'll give you some help. And he's shaking really badly, so badly he can't even light the cigar in his mouth. I guess the shadow man said something very scary. Scoop even notices. He's all, this is the first time I've ever seen the boss so nervous. That night, he goes to the police station to put the secondary plan into action. He's not scheduled to meet up with Batman for another two days, and the plan has to happen now. So he goes to Commissioner Gordon, and he's like, Hey, you've got that bat signal, right? And Commissioner Gordon's all, Yeah, I have that. And you know what? Since you've been working closely with Batman and are probably his friend, I'm gonna let you use it. So that night over Gotham City, the bat signal beams into existence. Two random guys standing on a corner see it. One thinks it's a bat, but the other informs him, and us, the audience, that this is a light that comes from the police station to summon Batman. They needed to tell us that because this is only the third time the bat signal's ever been used. But Batman's just as prompt as he will be in the future. He gets to the police station in no time at all. He climbs through their giant... 10-foot-tall window, and he's all, did somebody call for me? And Scoop's like, thank heavens, Batman, I need your help. And the next time we see the two of them, they're in front of this abandoned mill, where Scoop tells Batman that he was threatened. Unclear exactly why Batman thinks he's going into this abandoned mill, but when he does, he's accosted by thugs in purple suits, although one of them's wearing orange pants. And another one is wearing orange. You think the orange pants guy is the second in command? Batman's all, Snoop, you double-crosser, this was an ambush. And Scoop is all, I know I'm a rat, Batman, but this was all a trap so I could find out your real identity. All the thugs restrain Batman, and Scoop gets ready with his camera to take a picture when Batman's mask is pulled off. But then the Doug, the one in the orange suit, who's supposed to pull Batman's mask off, is like, I'm not going to pull Batman's mask off. I'm just going to shoot him. And Scoop is like, hey, wait, no, that wasn't the deal. But the Doug in the orange suit is all, I didn't make a deal with you. I have orders from the boss. And that's to kill Batman. And now I've decided to kill you too. He points his gun at Scoop. But then one of the Doug's in purple, not the one with the orange pants, runs up to him and he's like, I've got a better idea than just shooting the two of them here. And then he goes, bzz, bzz, in the lead thug's ear. And the plan that the purple thug whispered to the orange thug must have been great because he decides to carry that out right now. The next time we see Batman and Scoop, they're tied up and laying on a millstone, which are two rocks. One's on the bottom of the platform, and there's one above that winds down this giant screw to crush whatever's underneath in most cases, it would be Flower, but this time, it's Batman. The orange thug thinks this is hilarious. He's all, Batman will be ground out nice and flat, just like Flower. The grinding stone starts coming down, and Batman, lying beneath it, thinks to himself, This is it, Batman. This is it. Unless... Can I just call attention to the fact that Bruce Wayne calls himself Batman inside his head? You must really love your alternate identity, Bruce, to use that name to refer to yourself in your head as you're being killed.
But Batman's not going to be killed today. Because right then, somebody comes out of nowhere and launches one of the bags of flour at the thugs. It's Robin. All the thugs are like, Robin? Robin manages to fend off the thugs long enough to pull Batman and Scoop out of the millstone. And Batman's all, I knew you'd make it, Robin. Then the two of them beat up the rest of the thugs. Even Scoop joins in, and as they're fighting, he asks, Hey, Batman, how'd Robin get here? And Batman's all, oh, he was hidden in the trunk of the Batmobile. It's my protection, just in case somebody uses that searchlight stunt to trap me, just as you did. After a while, all the thugs are beaten up, and they just have to interrogate the orange thug about who hired him. But the orange thug won't talk. So Batman and Robin decide to go for some good old-fashioned water torture and tie him to the mill. And the orange thug really doesn't want to be on the mill. He agrees to talk pretty much immediately. So they pull him out of the water, dripping wet. And Batman's like, all right, what do you know? And it turns out this guy does not know a lot. Barely anything, really. He knows that a masked man showed up one day and paid him a bunch of money to do this job. Batman's all, I guess you're telling the truth. I gotta figure this out my own way. So after he drops all the thugs off at the police station, he goes to the publisher of The View. And he's like, I'm sorry, Batman. I really didn't want to do that. But the shadowy man threatened me, so I had to. And Batman's all, okay, I guess you don't know much either. And then he leaves. But before he does, Scoop pulls him aside and is like, thanks for saving my life, Batman. But actually, now I'm really determined to unmask you. And Batman's like, that's fine. There's nothing like a little pleasant war between friendly enemies. Good luck. Now, while Batman is trying to trace the path of the shadowy man, the shadowy man is making moves against Batman. Here we see him in orange light handing a script over to some thugs. He's all, this is the new Racket Smashers script. Study it carefully and watch out for Batman. And the next night, Racket Smashers airs again. Bruce and Dick, of course, watch it on the TV. It's telling the story of another almost perfect crime that failed because apparently Slinky the Thug forgot that tire tracks were just as identifiable as fingerprints. It's probably a really good show. It's probably a really bad show. I wish it existed in real life. But that's not the important thing. The important thing is what happens the next day when Dick Grayson runs into Bruce Wayne's study where he's sitting in a white chair with a newspaper. He's like, look in the paper. This is exactly like what happened on Racket Smashers last night. But this time, no mistakes. And Bruce is all, that cinches it. This is not a coincidence. Go put on your duds. We've got work to do. This time, they have to investigate the entire trail of the Racket Smashers script. They start out with the scriptwriter. Batman asks where he gets the material from. The scriptwriter is all, I get it from the police. They give me old Batman cases, and then I dramatize them a bit and send them out to air. But what business is it of yours? This guy is asking why Batman wants to know about the Batman show. Why wouldn't he? Also, this means that the crimes that are being committed are three-layer crimes. They happen once, and Batman stops them. They happen again on TV. And now they're happening a third time out on the street with no Batman stopping them. I guess they get refined. After Batman decides that the scriptwriter is probably innocent, he goes to the program director, Mr. Rand, and he's all, When do you give those scripts to your actors? And Mr. Rand tells him that they give the scripts to the actors a week in advance just so they can memorize the scripts. 
In fact, the only one who they don't do that for is Mr. Graves, the announcer, because he reads off the script during the television show. And while Batman's there investigating, Mr. Rand is again accosted by Mr. Loring. It goes the same way as last time with Mr. Rand telling Mr. Loring there's no parts for him. But Mr. Loring is all, please, I need to have more work. I'm going to have to start selling all my old stuff. And Batman, who is, of course, a big Mr. Loring fan, is all, here you go, Mr. Loring, and hands him some money. This isn't charity, it's a loan. You've got to pay me back someday, soon as you get another big part. And Mr. Loring's so grateful, he's like, I'm forever indebted to you, Batman. If you ever need anything at all, I'll help. Meanwhile, Scoop has been doing some investigating of his own. He's found this file cabinet somewhere with a file on Batman. He pulls out some papers about his old enemies. One from Gotham about the Joker escaping. Oh, great. And another one from New York that says the Penguin is still at large. Yeah, we saw him in Florida the other day, although I think this chronologically happens first. And hey, there's another one in the background just peeking out of the file cabinet that says, Batman, Crime Smasher number two. But the comic cover said he was Crime Smasher number one. Who's Crime Smasher number one? Pulls out some more papers and keeps looking through them. One is the case of the superstition murders, for all those people on that movie set were getting killed. And another is the case of the prophetic crimes, the one where the people the artist painted were getting killed. And he's all, I have it. It's the playboy, Bruce Wayne. He's been at both of these crimes. He reads a couple more, and then he's like, Bruce Wayne, I'm sure of it. He's always around when Batman's involved in a case. It's the only possible answer. Back with Batman, he's taken a foray into script writing himself. Because the crooks always follow the exact same thing that happens in the show, he and the producer are going to switch out his script. You'd think the producer would be a little reluctant to do this, seeing as, as far as he knows, Batman has never written a script before. But nope, he's happy to do it. Just shows how cool Batman is. Batman hands out scripts to all the actors, and he even hands one to Mr. Loring. He's all, you have a part in this too. The actors look through the script, and Mr. Rand tells them that actually, they don't have the full script. They're missing the last page. Batman's the only one who has it, and since he's playing himself, it'll probably just be improv. But it'll be good improv, he tells us. He's gonna reveal the name of the shadowy man responsible for all the radio crimes. Even though this is TV. The next episode of Racket Smashers isn't due to run for another day, but this is such big news that the newspapers are publishing about it anyway. The Gotham Gazette, which has decided to remain a priceless, announces that a mystery broadcast is to reveal a racket and Batman himself to act and name. I wonder if Batman's going to get paid for this. The shadowy man has gotten his hands on a copy of the Gotham Gazette, and he's all, well, maybe Batman won't get a chance to finish the broadcast. Right before the broadcast starts, Robin is saying the same thing. He's all, Batman, you realize that this mystery man is going to try to kill you to stop you from talking, right? And Batman's all, uh-huh. As they say on TV, I'm marked for murder. Scary, right? Stop being meta, Batman. That night, just as the broadcast is about to begin, Scoop runs onto the stage. He pushes the announcer out of the way and shouts, I know who Batman is. He's Bruce Wayne, the society playboy. I'm not actually sure if they're on air or not. 
Scoop points over at Batman and he's all, you have a reputation for honesty. Do you deny that you are Bruce Wayne? Batman doesn't seem too concerned though. He's all, I'm not denying anything yet. But I promise after this broadcast is over, I'll get you the answer. Scoop just goes with that. He's willing to wait until the end of the broadcast to know. The announcer gets on and he's all, Tonight, Racket Smashers presents the true tale of a racket going on now. In this expose of crime, the Batman will. And all over the city, people watch Batman and Robin on TV. They depict the very case they were just working on, while people ooh and ah over their TVs. We even get to see the shadowy man threaten the publisher of View Magazine again. Finally, they get to the last page of the script, which hasn't been written. And Batman's all, all right, everyone, I'm taking over now. The script ends here. And that's exactly when a thug in an orange suit bursts in. And he's all, this is the end for you, Batman. He pulls out his gun and tries to shoot Batman. But even though he's aiming at Batman, Mr. Loring jumps in the way of his shot and takes a bullet in the shoulder. He's all, drop it, you murderer. Oh. And Batman gets to beat up the rest of the thugs unharmed thanks to Mr. Loring. When almost all the thugs are beaten up, a man in a gray suit comes out and he's all, You've ruined everything! We can't really see his face, though. Not with Batman tackling him off the stage, yelling, No, you don't, Mr. X! But after they get to the floor and Batman pulls him up to a standing position, we can clearly see that he's the announcer, a man called Graves. Batman's like, yep, I figured it out. He's been losing heavily at the stock market. So he had to do some robberies to get money back. I suspected before, but I couldn't prove it was him until he exposed himself. Now with the villain caught, there's only one last thing to do. Are you really Bruce Wayne? Scoop asks Batman. Which is Robin's cue to faint onto the floor. Batman's all, oh no. Robin fainted from the excitement. I need to take him away to a quiet room. Scoop just lets him do that, and in the quiet room, Batman and Robin panic a little. Batman's like, that fake faint isn't gonna stop Scoop for long. But then they hear a noise from over in the corner of the room, where they see Mr. Loring. Batman's like, oh no, he heard everything. Even though you said like one thing and it didn't implicate you at all. But Mr. Loring is certain now. Batman really is Bruce Wayne. I suppose because he was reacting to Scoop saying he was Bruce Wayne at all. Not only that, but Mr. Loring is dying from the bullet he was just shot with. He's like, oh, Batman. I always thought when I died it'd be after my greatest role, but now I'm dying after just playing a bit part. This sucks. And Batman's all, actually, I know a great role for you. A really tough one. Just give me a minute. Robin stalled him. Robin goes outside, even though he was the one who fainted, and talks to Scoop. And Scoop is all, well, where's Batman? And Robin's like, um, he's speaking to a friend. He'll be out in a minute. What Robin didn't realize just then is that he was telling the truth. Batman really is outside in a minute. And he's with his friend, Bruce Wayne. Batman's all, Scoop, I want you to meet an old friend of mine. And Bruce Wayne is like, I just came up to visit my friend Batman. He keeps telling me you think he's me. How funny. Bruce, you were literally wearing Mr. Loring's clothing, including his ugly yellow spotted tie. How is nobody noticing this? 
Scoop doesn't notice this, though. He's just shocked that Bruce Wayne actually isn't Batman. He's all, I give up. I know when I'm licked, but I do wonder who you really are. And Batman leans over to him and whispers in his ear, Shh, don't tell anyone, but I'm the Joker. Of course, it was a stage whisper, and Bruce Wayne thinks that's a hilarious joke. He's all, all right, Batman, now that we've proved we're two different people, let's get out of here. They all get into the Batmobile and drive to the Wayne house as fast as they possibly can, where it's revealed that actually, Bruce Wayne and Batman are not two separate people. Batman is just Mr. Loring dressed up as Batman. Bruce is all, Mr. Loring, you did it. You were so good. The voice, the walk, everything. I'm just sorry that the only people who knew about your last greatest act were only me and Robin. And Mr. Loring is all, no, not at all. It was my greatest role after all, and I'm proud of playing it. And then he tragically dies right in the Batman costume. Bruce, maybe you want to get another one? Maybe you should have taken this guy to a hospital. I guess maybe he really was too far beyond recovery. Bruce, Wayne, and Robin are pretty sad after Mr. Loring dies. Robin's all, he's dead. At least your secret's safe. And Bruce is all, yeah, his dying gives new life to me. I'll have his gravestone carved to say, humbly in life, he played the proudest of all roles. Man. Bruce, I know you're famous and you like this guy a lot, but I don't think you'd get to dictate what goes on his tombstone. Pretty sad that he died, though. The end.